Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do we really need to return to God with all of our heart, as Joel bids his hearers to do? Do we need to heed Paul's plea to the church in Corinth when he said, We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Do the requests of those spokesmen for God really have anything to do with those of us who have taken time out of our busy schedules to come and hear God's word? Like the question is, aren't they really talking to people who don't go to church? These were a couple of the questions that I had when I was pondering these texts, uh, this in order to deliver this message here tonight. In the end, we should be confident that it is good for myself and for all of us here tonight to hear these words. For not one of us has returned to God with his whole heart, and not one of us is perfect without need of sanctification. We are always in need of God's word, even more, if you can believe it, than the air that you breathe. For the Christ who is proclaimed within the pages of Holy Scripture gives us eternal life in the name of Jesus. Even if our lungs and our bodies fail us, after all, we are from dust and to dust we shall return. And even after we breathe our last breath, when we have heard the love of God for us in Jesus proclaimed, we live on. And when we look at Joel's text, we can honestly say that not one of us has turned to God with his whole heart. Not one of us regards the word of God for what it really is. And this shows by how little we gladly hear and learn that precious word. There was one student that was talking to me one time, and he was saying, if I could fully comprehend what was happening in the Lord's Supper, I don't think I would be able to move. We definitely do not soak up all that God has to give us. We often treat God's words and the gifts that he gives through it as an afterthought instead of a place that envelops our whole heart, what we think about in the morning when we wake up or before we lay down for bed. When we hear Paul's words, I think of the call to daily contrition and repentance in our small catechism. We daily need to be reconciled to God no matter how long we've been Christians. The Lord's Prayer, it continually has us praying, forgive us our trespasses, accompanied by our need to forgive those who trespass against us. And the small catechism says that baptism indicates that the old Adam in us should by daily contrition and repentance 
be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires, and that a new man should daily emerge and arise to walk before God in newness of life. We daily, I would dare say hourly, need to heed the call to be reconciled to God on behalf of Christ. So then the question becomes, well, now what? Should I be feeling guilty right now? Should we just start doing stuff to please God? I've shared this before, but I think some of you didn't hear it. I once saw a, uh, I once saw a bumper sticker on a car that said, Jesus is returning soon. Then it was dot, 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 look busy. <laughs> In other words, is there something I can be doing to make God happy? Should I start reading my Bible every day? in order to make him happy. Well, we may or may not feel guilty, and I have no idea about the should of the matter. It is impossible to please God by simply doing stuff. We should all read our Bible more, but we don't do it to make God happy. Now you might be thinking, what in the world are you talking about, Pastor? You are starting to confuse me. I was confusing myself as I was writing this. But here's the thing. God does not desire for you to do stuff for him. He desires communion and fellowship with you. He has paid all of your debts that would keep you from him. All of the sin that you've done, he has paid for so that he can be with you. It is important to realize that in our relationship with God, he is the one who is making all the effort. He is not only listening to our prayers, he is the one who speaks words of forgiveness, life, and salvation into our broken heart. He does this to us before we even know to raise up our eyes towards him. And when the Bible says to return to God or be reconciled to God, it's talking about returning to a God who has always, always had his face of love pointed right at you. It is talking about God who died to make that reconciliation possible. What do we do? We stop running. We confess the sins that he has already forgiven and we let them go. He does all the rest. Confession has two parts. First, we confess our sins. And then the real work begins. We receive absolution. And that cost, uh, I was just about to swear, that cost a whole lot. That cost a whole lot. Let us listen to the descriptions of him in these passages. Return to the Lord your God for or because 
He is gracious and merciful. He is slow to anger. He is abounding. That means it can't be contained. He is abounding in steadfast love. He relents over disaster. He does not wish it for you. And hear this word. On behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for or because. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him, we, you know who we are, so that we might become the righteousness of God. The call is to basically stop running from grace and mercy. To stop turning away from steadfast love. The call is to rather dwell, abide, stay in righteousness and love that he gives us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus had never tasted the guilt or the shame or the death that we live in every day until the day he died to save us from those things. He only knew righteousness before then, and he died so that we who knew not righteousness could become the righteousness of God. We run away from God. We do. I do every day. And it's because we want to hold on to our sins that really only bring us guilt and shame. And throughout history, you know what has been happening? God has been running after us, desiring to give us the very thing that we actually need. We run after all sorts of things that we don't need. And he runs after us to give us what we do need. We live with the cancer of sin and he desires to pluck it out and give us a life not only in remission, but a life in eternal glory. So return. Be reconciled. It really means receive. I don't read the Bible or come to church or take the Lord's Supper or anything else because God's watching. I read it. I eat it. I hear it because I need forgiveness, life, and salvation. You know what I need? I need God's love. I daily walk away from it, and I daily need him to call me back to it through his word, through his church. So when I do things that Jesus talked about in the gospel today, when I give to the needy, when I pray, when I forgive, when I fast, I do not do any of these things to get God to notice me. Yes, Jesus does say three times, your father who sees in secret will reward you. But Jesus is not saying that we do these things to get God's approval or love. We've already got it 
we do. While we were even his enemies, we read a couple weeks ago, he laid down his life for us. Now, if you are giving to the needy, or if you are giving to be noticed by others, Jesus said you've already received your reward. You really wanted attention. But if your giving springs from thanksgiving, it is an act of saying a quiet thank you to the one who has given all so that you could receive all that he desires to give you. Likewise, when we pray to be noticed by others, or, to by, or pray to be noticed by God or others, prayer is to rather be used as a response to a God who provides all of our, for all of our needs. Jesus lets us know that our prayers are heard by him and that we should know that he commands us to and he invites us to pray. He desires to have that communion. And you know, what do you call him in the Lord's Prayer? Father, right? And that happened because you were born again of water and the word. You were made into his child. And there is nothing more precious for a father uh, in my experience than to have your child call you daddy. We call on him because he has already made us his children. He acted first. And if we fast, we do not fast in order to finally get God's attention. No, we fast to recognize our true need for the one who desires to give him not only all he has, but he gives us his very self. I gave a brief explanation of fasting, but for instance, if you fast from coffee and you crave caffeine, you get a glimpse into your true need for Jesus, just a glimpse. And also when you fast from that cup of coffee, it's good to replace it with God's love by reading his word. Otherwise, I think that you should just drink the cup of coffee. Because if you're not receiving Jesus in place of whatever it is that you're fasting from, really, what's the point? The season of Lent, it is a call to return, a call to be reconciled. It is a call to stop running and to start receiving. You see, when we run after, what we run after are treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Lent is a call to stop doing this. It is also a call to receive from Jesus baptism for the unbaptized, the word of the gospel for all the world, and heavenly food in the Lord's Supper. And these things we receive from him, those are treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. 
And we don't have to do a thing. We can't do a thing to earn those treasures. They are treasures that flow from the love of God that he has bestowed upon us for Jesus' sake. And we pray that this Lent and for all of our lives, God would set our hearts free from seeking out treasures in this world. That we would rather receive treasures that flow from the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And now may the peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he returns for you. Amen.